Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so at this time I invite you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings will be page 277, I think, in those uh, soft cover Bibles uh, in front of you. Somebody make sure if that's the right page. Is it 277? Is that accurate? So look, look close. Anybody nodding? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're good. So First Kings 19. As you turn in there, um, yesterday was Robbinsville's Community Day. Uh, how many of you got a chance to go out? Was anybody there? A few of you. All right, we got some folks out. It was a good time, a beautiful day, a little, little, little warm. But I just want to say that Craig and Patty Heilman. Craig, can you, Patty, can you stand up? Come on. These are our team leaders for Robbinsville Community Day, and they did an amazing job. Look at our, 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 look at this, look at this. They have flowers. It was color coordinated. I mean, it was, there were so many different dynamics. They had face painters and games for kids and prizes. And what I thought, they looked like lemons on the table. I thought they were lemons. Uh, they are not. They were heart shaped, uh, stress balls that say Life Tree Community Church. They were a hit. They were awesome. Uh, and it, it just, I mean, color coordinated flowers with, with that, tables, everything. It just, it represented our church so well uh, to our community, and it was just a really important part of what we do. Thousands of people are out for the day just to kind of enjoy, you know, what's going on in our community, and it's a wonderful representation of uh, of of what we of what we are, of who we are, of the people that we are. And I want to thank everybody that was out there. Pastor Dre was out there for like four hours shooting baskets with uh, kids. I'm telling you, I don't even know how he's awake right now. It was a long day. And I want to thank everybody that came out to help and uh, make that make that possible. Um, you know, it, it's just incredible to think about it because that was our ninth one. It was our ninth Robbinsville day as a church, and it just like that's that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of years. You know, we, our first one was 2010, um, and uh, it's just it's pretty incredible. Um, there was a, also a just like diagonal from us. There was. A, a tent, so we got all these tents going down the line, was another church that's <laughs> brand new. They're starting in town. Uh, they're going to be starting in September. They're called uh, King's Cross Church. And they were right across the way, and uh, a great a great church. And uh, I felt, I, I've met their pastor. His name's Jonathan, and uh, he's actually with Shannon. He's with Shannon's neighbor. He lives near Shannon. And uh, a great a great guy, uh, and his wife, uh, Julie, he got four kids, pray for him. Um, and... Uh, Trying to start a church with four young ones, like little ones, and just trying to think about all this stuff. And I'll be honest with you, you know, anytime a new church gets started in town, right, other churches, there's, there's different responses you could have. And it was very clear, God said two words to me, two very distinct words to me about this church, and he just said, help them. Help them. So that's what we're doing. As a church, we're constantly trying to help them. They're going to be meeting in the senior center. Um, so I, I guided them there. I was like, listen, go meet the senior center. We loved it there. It's going to be awesome. And it's free. <laughs> like, it's going to be a great place for you to get started. And so they're, they're looking forward to a September start there. Um, uh, you know, but I, it, it's just interesting because I sat there looking at our stuff and this incredible, I mean, listen, just so if you haven't been to Community Day, Craig and Patty knock it out of the park. Like, compared to other tables, we... Now listen, I'm not trying to boast or nothing, but it looks good. We got a plan. We got people. They're 
they're organized. It's just, I'm telling you, it's a machine. And, I, and I, I'm looking at Jonathan and, and their table, and he's great, but it's his first time. And I remember back to our first time. And our first time, I think we got to Lisa's house. Where's Lisa? We got to your house at like 8 in the morning because we had no idea. We were like stressed and major about that day. We did it all, like we were there all, we were exhausted. We had to do everything ourselves. We were, we had no idea what we were doing. And I remember looking at him going, I remember that. I remember that feeling it was him. And, his, and he had maybe like a couple people helping. And like, he's like, he didn't even have a tablecloth. I'm like, bro, I got extra tablecloths. Just take a tablecloth. Make it look a little, like, just remember that feeling of I'm so new to this. And now I'm looking going, I had nothing to do with that. I didn't even know what we were going to have on the tables. And it used to be I was in, or I had to do everything. And now we've come so, come so, we've come a long way, baby. We've come a really long way. And it's just, it's a, part of me is tempted, really tempted to be really proud of how organized and, you know, to say, man, man, we got our, we, we do this really well. And, you know, they're, they're, they're just young, but, and to get a little prideful about it, right? And really the only difference between me and him is time. That's it. It's time. Right? Like, the only reason I'm pastor here is because I was here first. <laughs> That's it. Not because I'm smarter or more skillful or anything like that. It's just time. Timing. You know, timing is, is so much. Um, and we have an opportunity here. So this church is getting started. And we have an opportunity. We can either make them... Earn their way, like we had to do. Like we had to slug it out for years and years and years and years and years to get where we are today. Or we can help them get there faster than we did. We've got a choice. What option do you think we're going to take? Come on. So I'm going to ask you today, please pray for Pastor Jonathan and Julie and their family. They're starting in September at the Senior Center. Let's pray for King's Cross Church that they knock it out of the park and do an awesome job in this town because they are not the enemy. They are not our competition. They are our co-laborers. Right? They are our partners in this thing. They can reach people that we cannot reach. It's plain and simple. They're different than us and they're going to do things different than we do it. And we're on the same team trying to let people know Jesus loves you. So we're going to fight for them, not against them. And the reality is we've all got moments in our life where we meet someone who's somewhere behind us on the journey. The reality is you meet people all the time. Maybe it's, maybe it's work-related, right? You're in a job and there's a new person. And you're like, all right. And the question comes, are they competition or are they a co-laborer? Everybody we try and put into these categories. Is this somebody who's going to take my job? Or is this somebody I can work with? Right? And we make decisions and how we think about people tremendously affects how we behave and respond to them. And we're faced with a decision. Are we going to make them fight it out and find their own way? Or are we going to say, hey, I can make life a lot easier on you. I can share with you what I know. And I can save you so much pain, so much time, right? And we've got a choice. We've got a choice. 
Now, Kings, the book that we're about to read, is a record of the history of Israel, and it recounts sort of what goes on in Israel's history during a period in which they had kings. There you go. So there's a number of kings, and the book of Kings just tells the history of the kings of Israel. And along the way, you hear stories of the prophets. The prophets are people that God would speak through for the people during the period of the kings um, and, <laughs> and throughout the history of the church. And God would speak to people through, through them. And the one prophet that we're going to look at today, his name was Elijah. All right? He's, a, he's a, one of the most famous prophets in, in Scripture. Um, and God would speak through Elijah to the people. Now, Elijah is a character. Okay, this guy was bold. Um, not all the kings were good. Some of them were bad. Many of them were bad. And Elijah would confront them and say very bold things to a king that you or I may not say to a king. But Elijah would just get out there and say it. Um, he did some unbelievable miracles. Like if you read his story, uh, he, was, he was used in powerful ways. And he knew it. <laughs> all right, read, read between the lines, okay? Um, and there came a time in Elijah's life where God shows up and says to Elijah, Hey, your days are coming to an end. Not that you're going to die. It's actually really interesting. Elijah doesn't die. never died. One of a few people in Scripture, Enoch, never died. says Enoch just walked with the Lord and then he was no more. just says he just kind of disappeared. And then Elijah is one of those guys that there's no... Well, you'll see what happens. He doesn't die. But God says, but your time on earth is coming to an end. Your days are up. And, uh, and he tells him to do something. Um, and he gives him this kind of a, a command. Um, and he finds himself, because of that, interacting with a young man who was new to the journey. Oh, I've just been doing this for a while. He's the prophet. He's the, he's the guy. And now God's kind of got a young guy named Elisha who's going to come into the story. And so it's kind of confusing. Elijah and Elisha are two different people. All right? Just a little difference in their names. Um, and God gives <coughs> excuse me, Elijah some instruction. We're going to read it. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. That's where we're going to pick up the story. So this is at the end. And it says, The Lord told him, Elijah, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. I just, these names are going to get me, so I'm going to do my best, okay? It says, then anoint, so it says, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of, yep. Yeah, there you go. From the town of Abel, Mahola, to replace you as my prophet. Okay? Do you hear what he just said? Okay, so he says, anoint two kings. Right? This guy to be king, this guy to be king. And anoints a prophet to replace you. Oh, you're the guy and this guy's going to replace you. So, Go find your successor. Imagine being told, hey, listen, you need to go find somebody who's going to take your job. Because it's time for you to die. <laughs> I don't get the feeling that Elijah was thrilled. You know, oh, I can't wait to go find this kid. Right? So let's read what happened. We'll skip down to verse 19. It says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of mm-hmm, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12 teams. So 12 teams of oxen, just to know that's 24 teams of oxen, 24 oxen. Elisha was wealthy. He had money. So now he's coming, he says, oh great. Not only is this kid young, but he's spoiled. He's got a lot of money. 
right? He's a wealthy kid. He's a right golden spoon, right? And Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and just walked away. He couldn't even say anything to him. Like, just walked away, right? Now, the cloak symbolized something, right? It symbolizes your authority from God, that this was God's, this was God's designation on you, right? And the authority and the power of God. It was symbolic for prophets. It says, And Elisha left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah because he knows what this means. He gets it. He understands enough of the nuances of the culture to know that who that guy is, because everybody knows who Elijah is. And he understands that he just put his cloak on me. Does that mean I'm next, right? And he does this. And he says, first, he, says, he knows that this means everything's changed and I've got to go follow. He says, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will go with you. And Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. The only thing he says to the guy, go on back, but think about it. Your life's going to change. So Elisha returned to his oxen, slaughtered them, used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh, passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of oxen. 24 oxen, that's a big party. I mean, talk about barbecue. Wow. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. So he goes. So Elisha is now apprenticing to become the next priest. So Elijah not only has to find his successor, now he's going to train him. Think he's loving this, right? Like, think about the emotional, right? And what's going on inside of him. As there's this guy who, and God just says, hey, your time's coming up. You've been the man, but now you go find a guy. You're going to train him up, and he's going to take your place. So time passes. There's really too much to recount. All this I'm telling you, you should go back and read the story if you have time. It's just fascinating stuff. And it's coming time for Elijah. He's about to leave the earth. He's been learning. And so Elisha... The, the young, he's been watching, he's been learning, he's been following. And they come to the Jordan River, which is a very significant river yeah, in Israel. Lots of sacred things happen around this river. And we pick up the story here. We're going to skip ahead. It'll be on the screen. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 9. It says this, They crossed the Jordan River. It says, When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken Away. Basically, before I die, any last requests? Anything you need to know? Anything I haven't taught you? Anything? I'm about to go. The moment's about to come. So speak now or else, right, I'm gone. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Now, a couple things here. When parents died, the estate is divided between the children. Right? Equally. Typically, except in their culture that the firstborn would get two shares. So they would count as like they were an extra child and the firstborn would get double. Right. So you get a double portion. There were other priests following Elijah. There was like a group of priests. You can read about it. it says there was a group of priests. always always kind of prophets. They're always sort of like junior prophets. And they're always like, you know, his entourage. They're following him everywhere he goes. They want to be like Elijah. And Elisha says, hey. Recognize me as the next in line. I want, I want to be first. I want a double portion. I want the rights of the firstborn. I want favor. Elisha is just as bold as Elijah. <laughs> and it's interesting because <laughs> at the end, what he does not ask for 
He says, hey, I don't want your horse. Right? He says, I don't, I don't want your wealth. He says, I don't want twice your wealth. I don't want, he says, I don't want your skill. Right? He says, I don't want your, your wisdom. He says, I want twice as much of your spirit. Of your soul. That part of you that connects to God. Because I want twice as much of, as that. After following Elijah for so many years and seeing firsthand all the miracles Elisha had come to understand something critical. That the connection Elijah had with God in his soul was everything. This was not because Elijah was so smart or so powerful or so strong or so skillful or so shrewd or so wealthy. It was because he had a connection with God. And because he had a connection with God, he said, I want twice as much of that. He was hungry for as much of God as he could get. Verse 10, Elijah says, you have asked for a difficult thing. (laughs) Yeah, basically, I can't do that. I can't make that happen. Like that's, that's a, says by this, but if you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if you don't, if not, then you won't. So if you want twice what I have, you have to be attentive. Keep watching me. And if you watch close enough, God will give you what you ask for. So how do you think, knowing what you know about the story so far, how do you think Elisha responded to that? How do you think he responded when he said, you've got to watch me? Does anybody know what remora are? There's, you know, suckerfish, right? They're the things that stick on a shark, right? They're like, right, they're all over the shark's face, right? They just, like, wherever the shark goes, I'm going with you. They're little hanger honors, right? That's what they are. Elijah says, watch me. And Elijah's like, I can imagine, like, if he was annoying Elijah before, like, come on. You all know the people like this, right? Maybe you have a child like this. They're just sort of like always there. Just always, like it's creepy. They're like, how do you, I didn't even know you were there. Come on. Like they're just constantly staring at, Elisha is like tunnel vision on Elijah. I'm watching, I'm watching because he's hungry for this. He's on Elijah like dried gum on a park bench. I'm on you. Verse 11, as they were walking along and talking, ready, listen, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire, and it drove between the two men separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Can we just pause there for a minute? Like that happened. Like, try it. Like, I'd love to see that in a movie, but it wouldn't be close. Come on. Chariot of fire? Horses that are made of fire? I don't know what a fire horse is, but I want one. Like, it drove between the, and Elijah is carried up in a whirlwind with fiery horses, and he goes up. Listen, if, if God says, how do you, like, how would you, if I had, how would you like to die? Right? Like, in your sleep. You know, maybe, maybe like, you know, I'd like to, like, be drowning in cannoli dip. I don't know. Like, what's your, like, how do you want to go, right? Fire horses, in a fire chariot, and in a in a tornado to heaven. 
That's dramatic, man. I don't know if you get more dramatic than that. He's just here, and he's just like... That's just... Man, let me tell you, God is just... God could have just taken him away. But he, he did it this way. That's dramatic effect. God has some creativity, but He also sometimes just likes to display just a taste of what He can do. Just so you know. I mean, this is the God who can call you up in a flaming chariot of fire horses, in a tornado, right, and just bring you home that way. Oh, man, that's just cool. That's just a side note. That's just, I couldn't just walk over that. Verse 12, Elisha sees it, of course, because he's like, and he cries out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. He's heartbroken that his mentor, this guy he has followed, is now actually gone. He picks up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. So let's just get this right. Fire, all this kind of stuff. And the only thing left is the cloak. That probably could have gone too. But God is trying to say something to Elisha. He's leaving this behind to affirm to him this wasn't just an accident. So Elisha returns to the bank of the Jordan River, the same river they have just walked across, right? Just, just moments before. And it says, He struck the water with whose cloak? Elijah's cloak, right? Still Elijah's, and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? So I've been following this whole time, but it's still not personal. And it says, He struck the water, and then the river divided, and Elijah went across. All the training, all the following, all, all this, you know, putting up with Elijah, who's probably cranky, and at that moment, Elisha knows the same God who had been with Elijah. He's with him now. If you read the story of Elisha, if you go on to read the story, it's, it's, it's undeniable that the power of God that was on Elijah transfers and is now on Elisha. But what I want to focus on today is this. It's his request. He'd seen unbelievable things. He'd seen fire miraculously fall from heaven. He'd seen kings terrified by his master because of power he wielded. He'd seen water parted by the touch of the cloak and he wanted more of the Spirit. He didn't ask for more power. He said, I just want to know God and be close like you are close. I want more. Now had Elijah been insecure, had he been a lesser man, perhaps he would have tried to limit what he passed on to Elisha. Perhaps he would have made him earn it. He would have said, hey, you know what? Figure it out on your own. I'm the man. God's taken me in a chariot of fire, right? Like, you've got to figure it out. But Elijah was willing to help Elisha accomplish something great. In week one, Pastor Kerry shared that something activates in us when we're together. That when we get together, the Spirit of God just comes alive in us and we bring out the best in each other. In week two, we said that God is calling us to raise sons and daughters. In week three, He said it takes all of us to raise sons and daughters. Last week, Pastor Kevin talked about generationally what we're, what we're pass on. 
Paul, and Timothy. And today, our vision for those that follow us, for our sons and daughters, must exceed our vision for ourselves. Our vision for those that follow must be greater than our vision for ourselves. Sons and daughters are not limited to children. We've talked about it's just those who are new to faith. There's this imagery that we use when we talk about sons and daughters. It's not about children. It's not about little. It's not about age. It's about those who are new to faith. That we're going to pass on our faith to people that are new to this. And our goal is not to impress them with how much we know. It's not to say, hey, check me out. I'm good. I've earned this. Our goal is for them to outrun us. I want to pass the baton. Let me tell you, in a relay race, who runs the last leg? It's the fastest runner. We pass it on, which means we're not the fastest ones. They're still to come. They're still to come. We're passing the baton on with the expectation that they will run faster. Our vision for those new to faith must be greater than our vision for our own lives. There are people who have yet to start a relationship with God who will reach far more people with the message of God than I ever will. I've been doing this 40 years. We've been doing this a long time. And there are people who are... It's not about kids. There are some of you that are brand new to this. But you will do more than I ever will. And I've got to have that expectation that when I meet you, the potential in you could be far superior than my own and not to be threatened by that. There's no room for seniority in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. The best is always yet to come. My hope is that every person that we meet will see something in me that says, hey, I want twice as much of what you've got. And we'll go out and do more. Anybody ever hear of gravity assist? Anybody know what that is? Gravity assist. Jason knows everything. That's good. He knows things. Okay, gravity assist. Some of you will, maybe once I describe it, but spacecrafts often leverage the gravitational forces of another planet to gain velocity. So planets spin in orbit, right? All these planets spinning in their orbits as they rotate. And what will happen is that in space exploration, as we send out different space shuttles and things, spacecrafts, there's only so much fuel that they can have on board. And if they have to go somewhere or their mission is to go somewhere very far, really, really far to maximize the journey. They will go close to a spinning planet. And as they get close, the gravitational forces of that planet will actually transfer to the spacecraft and it will gain up to 60% of that planet's energy. And it will propel them beyond. So they come around and it turns and it, and it propels them. It's a gravitational assist. It's a boost. And the actual planet will often slow down, ever so slightly, but it can absorb it, and it, does not, it doesn't hurt it. So it will be subtle difference, but a tremendous difference to the spacecraft coming around it. 
it's actually a really remarkable principle. See, we're like planets. We can give and not lose so much. Be incremental. We won't feel a whole lot. But the benefit that we give to somebody else will be exponential. You, hey, listen, it, it takes me like an hour or two to share with somebody what I learned in ten years. I can distill that down and say, here's ten years of my wisdom. It takes me like three minutes. Like, but you can just pass on to somebody at an incremental level to you and it makes a huge difference to somebody else. And we can propel people further than we could ever go and send them into unexplored galaxies and as yet unreached places. But, gravity assist can also work the other way. Because planets spin this way. Let's say, that, let's say, let's say the, this one, the Earth, or whatever that planet is, I don't know, it's Photoshop, I'm sure. But let's say it's spinning this way, right? and you come around this side, you get sent off. But let's say you come around this side, opposites the direction that that planet is spinning. And spacecraft actually use this as well, if they need to. But it will actually slow down the one going by. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pause. Because you're going against the gravitational forces. So, you know, if you run into something that's going the opposite direction, right? It, you feel like you ever try and run into the wind. If you're a golfer and you hit the ball with the wind... Oh, man. I got the wind in my back. But if you're hitting into the wind, it's quite possible for you to hit the ball and actually land behind you. You hit it high enough, that wind will just put it... See, gravitational assist works both ways. The reality is we have the potential and the power to either help or to hinder others. Every time someone comes close to you, Sometimes somebody comes in contact with you. It depends on what side of you they get. You will either propel them forward or you will hold them back. There's no middle ground unless you just run into each other. <laughs> Every interaction, you're either propelling somebody or you're holding them back. I want people to be hungry for more. My goal is not to impress anybody with how far I've gone or how much I've done. 1 Corinthians 13, we are reading it every day. Hopefully you're reading along. If not, I encourage you, read along. Just once a day, read 1 Corinthians 13. But let's read what it says. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. It's not about me. Our goal must be to see how far we can send people into all that God has yet to do. Very simply, we need to be fans of the next generation. Jesus Himself was. John 14.12 Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in Me will do the same works I have done and say it, say it with Me. Even greater works. Say it again. Even greater works. This is Jesus. He says, anyone who believes in Me will do the, the same works I have done and even greater works works because I am going to be with the Father. Next verse he says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Verse 14, yes, 
Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus is an irrepressible force of energy pulling us towards Him and propelling us to do even more. He's advocating for us. He is fighting for us. His goal is to help us do more than He ever did. If Jesus is not too proud to help people do more, should we? So what today? The first question is this. Is your vision for others greater than your vision for yourself? I have to fight the temptation to be the hero in every story. We must believe the best in others and help them become that. We need to expect those we pass our faith on to to go farther than we will. We don't have to be the ones to do it all. We just need to give others as big a head start as we can. We need to be constant sources of propulsion. So it starts with following Elijah. So my question for you today is perhaps you need an Elijah. Perhaps you need someone to follow after. Someone to be around who's just saying, hey, follow me and I'm going to send you out. Just by being near them builds you up. Someone you stay close to because of their relationship with God. Not somebody because they've got money or wisdom or power, but who is somebody that you know, somebody in your life, that because of their relationship with God, you go, I want twice as much of that. I want twice as much of that. I want to know God like they know Him. Let me ask you, if there's not anybody in your life whose faith is challenging you, you're fighting a headwind. You need someone in your life who is pulling you forward. You need an Elijah in your life who is sending you forward and what can you do to spend more time with them? So I'm challenging you. Find an Elijah. Who is your Elijah? Find somebody and get near them. And just be near them because they're, oh man, it's just going to send you farther. The second question is this. Who is your Elisha? Who is the person who you have a vision for their life that they can do more than you? There's something about pouring into someone else keeps us from being prideful. From forgetting that it's not all about us. A few years ago, we went to a leadership conference with some of the leaders from our church. And a pastor by the name of Craig Groeschel shared a principle which at the time I did not like. He said, if somebody can do something 60% as good as you, let them. Like, Man, that's a big gap. Like, you ever watch somebody do something and you know you can do it better? And you're like, I just want to do it. You just, please just, oh, you can't even look. And I was just struggling with that when I'm like, ah, I'm not sure I buy that. This point was, you know, freeing yourself up to do things that you, you that only you can do. So if somebody can do something 60%, and I was like, and then Nancy Costa, who's one of our leaders here, said, you know, Pastor Dan, I've been thinking. Maybe they start at 60% as good as you. But they might end up at 120% as good as you. There was that moment I was like, okay. I just went to school. 
That's really, really good, Nancy. I needed to hear that. See, because when we see people, we see the deficiencies. But we do not know the potential. So who's an Elisha in your life? That maybe they bug you. Maybe you're like, seriously, you're like a leech. But is there somebody that God puts on your heart to raise up and to send out farther than you could ever go? Who are they? And what can you do to help them more? See, if we'll believe the best in others, I'm going to close with this. Nikki, you can come on up and play. I'm going to read a passage from Ephesians chapter 3. And it's from the Apostle Paul. And he says this, When I think of all of this, faith, when I think of all the mystery of what God is doing and how God works within us, he says, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Maybe just close your eyes and just listen to this. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And listen to this. He says, Now all glory to God who is able. Who is able. The same God sent down a chariot of fire and horses of fire lifted Elijah in a tornado. says, the same God through His mighty power at work within us, He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. God, today we declare that You are a God of more. But what we have experienced and what we have done is not it. You are limitless. There are those here who are only scratching the surface of what you're going to do in their lives. But there are Elishas in this room that are hungry for everything that you want to give. For there are Elishas in our world that we just need to come alongside and share our faith with and share our wisdom and our understanding and what we know of You to such a measure that it propels them farther than we may ever go on our own. And God, there are Elijahs all over the place. People that know You And Lord, if we've been walking with You for any measure of time, Lord, we are capable and qualified to be an Elijah. May we accept the responsibility we have to share what we know of You with Elishas everywhere. May we pass on to sons and to daughters, to spiritual sons and daughters, to those who are new to this, 
who are new to following You and finding out who You are and what a relationship with You looks like, God, may we be quick to help. Just say, hey, stick close to me. I'm going to do everything I can to send you out with power. And would you bring people into our lives that challenge our faith and that do the same for us. May we never be stagnant. And may we constantly be moving and pulled and sending and pulled and sending. That's what you've called us to do. It's the beauty of this congregation you call the church. It's not about a building. It's not about a service. It's not about our structure or our programs. Lord, it's about people coming together and the dynamism that happens when we get together and we interact with something incredible happens. And we shape and we form and we react to each other. We become the best versions of ourselves that You created us to be. We help others do the same. Lord, forgive us if we've seen people as competition. There's nobody that's our competition. All people are just those yet to know You. And those with potential to change the world for You. Help us to be people who are close to You. Let us do it together. I thank You, God. You are good. It's in Your great name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.